are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locks on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, on today's show, we're talking to Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets. Once again, we're going to be talking about Francisco Lindor's contract. We're going to be talking about uh, previewing today's game, talking about Carson Kelly and the impact he's had on the season so far for the D-backs. So it's a fun pod. Stay tuned for all of that and more. But first... I want to talk to you guys about Locker Room because this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, Sunday, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Now, before we talk uh, to Ryan Finkelstein of Lockdown Mets, I want to first talk about last night's game. Madison Bumgarner, a stud once again for the D-backs. Bumgarner, six innings, two hits allowed, one earned run, seven strikeouts. Over his last 23 innings pitch, this man has allowed only three earned runs. He's been anti-Luke Weaver over his last four starts. San Fran Bumgarner looks like he's back and he's kind of doing it. And we talk about Bumgarner later on this pod, but he he's finally doing that location stuff that we've talked about. It's about hitting the hitting the edges and having command, and right now he's controlling his pitches, uh, hitting the spots he wants to, and he's generating swing and misses, even though he still doesn't have the velocity that you would want from a, you know your, your $23 million guy. He's not making 23 this year, but 23 over the next two years annually. And seven strikeouts for the guy Madison Bumgarner today. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, on his fastball today, still only averaged 91 miles per hour, which is pretty good, you know, for Madison Bumgarner. Uh, hit as high as 92, so maybe he's able to figure out some some new velocity, new found velocity, just to, you know, ramp it up just a half mile per hour. But ever since the D-back started taking less off of Bumgarner's plate, uh, letting him think less and just going out there to pitch. He's been way more effective ever since Arizona Sports dropped that story how they don't want Bumgarner to really work on advanced analytics or worry about scouting reports anymore. This dude has been a stud over the last four starts, and actually, it's making me rethink everything I've ever said again, uh, bad about Madison Bumgarner because this dude has been legitimately, you know, ace-level stuff over the last four starts. And, of course, we got that pseudo-no-hitter in there as well during that stretch. And it's really crazy to see and think about. And today, he had a pretty full arsenal. He threw his cutter the most 41% of the time. He threw 85 pitches in total today. 35 of them was the cutter. 21 fastballs. 20 curveballs, which I thought was pretty surprising. And 9 changeups generating swing and miss, uh swing and misses and the dude was just phenomenal 
today on the mound. I'm really proud of Madison Bumgarner. It's been a long time coming because before he went on this little hot streak over the last four outings, he legitimately was the worst pitcher in baseball, like non-hyperbole. He had the worst ERA since the start of 2020 among all qualified starters before this recent hot streak. And to see him turn it around is honestly crazy because I would have never expected that. His ERA is now down to 491 because before this hot streak, it was, uh, I think it was above 11. It, it was ridiculously high. And right now, Bumgarner is cruising and bringing that thing right down to respectable levels. Maybe he could get it to a sub four. And Honestly, we can end the season and be like, dang, Bumgarner had a 3-5 year array that season. Actually had a pretty high strikeouts per nine. It might be a pretty surprising season when we look back on it. And maybe this contract won't be so bad after all. He still owed a fat, a fat amount of money. Way more money than I could ever dream of. But that doesn't mean it won't be worth it. Maybe he's not that ace we thought we were getting. But if he can be an High end, number two, if he's pitching like this, where he's only allowing a couple earned runs a game, even though he's not a, a dude who's, who's blown by dudes, uh, even though he's not a guy who's blowing by batters anymore with a 95, you know, upper 90s fastball, it's all about keeping hitters off balance, locating all the cliches that I like to throw out about pitching. That's what Bumgarner did today. You got to do that Zach Ranky, Clayton Kershaw method where you're just hitting the corners and just throwing that fastball just hard enough to get by guys when they might be expecting to change up a curveball you got to keep the dudes guessing that's the main thing about pitching you got to keep the batters guessing Bumgarner was able to do that effectively today but one guy who couldn't do that today is the prince that we all wanted to crown the king ever since we saw him in spring training, but he hasn't been able to do it so far this season. And that is J.B. Braskakis, who struggled once again in this game. One inning, three hits, two earned runs, allowed a home run. J.B. Braskakis, I think he's just getting figured out out there because one thing about him entering this, entering you know his major league season, we knew he had a nasty slider, and it's lived up to expectations this year. His slider entering this game only had an, a 91 batting average against, an expected batting average against of 77, expected slugging of 98. It's been absolutely devastating, but his fastball and changeup has been hit kind of hard this season on the reverse. His fastball in particular average exit velocity of 100 miles per hour compared to a slider which was only 75 and a half miles per hour but today they got to that they got to that slider that home run that he gave up that was off the slider so for jb burskakis uh it, it might not be jb burskakis time actually that was the hardest hit of the day the home run given up by jb burskakis the second hardest was the home run given up by Bumgarner. but still Bumgarner gave up a decent amount of hard contact today if you're looking at average if you're looking at exit velocity Bumgarner's all over this list but it doesn't matter because it was a lot of flyouts and it was pitching the contact which is okay if you're generating you know lazy fly balls if you're generating lazy ground balls and that's what Bumgarner was able to do today but jb burskakis not the same so the pitching today Good from Baumgartner, bad from Braskakis, but the real story of this game, the offense not coming through and just blowing a brilliant Madison Baumgartner start. Four straight games, as I said, where it's been brilliant Madison Baumgartner, four straight outings from him, but three straight games where the D-backs offense is just stuck in a rut. 
back-to-back games where the D-backs offense gets shut out by the Marlins pitchers. And the Marlins have an elite pitching staff, but to be shut out after leading the league in runs coming into this game, it's just unacceptable. So you can't do that. But on the bright side, Paven Smith continues to crush for the D-backs. Three for five today. I love it when Paven Smith crushes. Friend of the pod, as I like to say. So D-backs, disappointing loss to the Marlins. Disappointing series to the Marlins as they get swept in three straight games. Only able to score three runs total during the three games. And all of them came in the first game of the series. Now, the next series, they're going against the Mets. And you're going to hear Ryan Finkelstein and I preview the next series specifically today's matchup Zach Gallen versus David Peterson but first I want to talk to you guys about bet online because bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including MLB NBA NHL and all your UFC MMA action before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up, bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook. Experts, promo code locked on. All right, all right, all right. Let's jump into that conversation with Lockdown Mets host Ryan Finkelstein. Now, speaking of contracts, of course, you would do the Francisco Lindor trade again. That's no question. But in hindsight, would you rather have waited to give him that contract closer to the end of the season to see how he performs? Or you're okay with how early they gave Lindor that contract, knowing he's now locked up for the next? I'm not sure how long the deal was off the top of my head, but it was like a 10-year deal or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a 10-year deal, and that's including this year as well as the 11th year, so technically, I guess, 11. Um, at the time, I was always saying that you could let it play out because of the other free agent shortstops, but I understand why the Mets signed him because they really wanted to, for one, get that question off everyone's minds. You know, Imagine what the conversation would be like right now. It would be, you can't possibly sign this guy to the extension which could only make his struggles worse. So I see why they did it. I'm just happy that a player of Lindor's caliber is going to be on this team for that long. I believe that he's going to break out of it. He's been too good throughout his career not to. So I'm okay with what the Mets did. But if you were just talking about what made the most sense as a front office, it probably would have been to wait. But I, I get why they did it. Yeah, and I don't mind actually giving him that deal either. I mean, with these baseball players, it seems like if you wait, they're not afraid to test free agency. I mean, it's not like basketball. There's no restricted free agency. You can't match a player's salary. It's not like the NFL. There's no franchise tag. So if these guys test the market and they want to leave, they're going to go to the highest bidder because that's usually what baseball players do. They're not ones to pick the 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 franchise, you know, the, the marquee markets. They're not ones to pick the coastal cities. They, you know, these baseball players will legit pick any team as long as they're get in the bag so uh, I think it was a pretty smart move to actually lock up Lindor that early but looking at that uh, more NL stats right now in terms of pitching ERA and staffs 
one, two, three, the Padres are number one in ERA in the NL, followed by the Dodgers. And then the Mets, number three, and that's not really shocking. Entering the year, we said the top three rotations, it would have been those three. Do you think, well, before I ask you, do you think, it seems like uh, Noah Syndergaard is expected to come back, you know, maybe mid-May, maybe early June. If that's the case, uh, what is the ceiling of this Mets rotation? And do you think we'll see a fully healthy Syndergaard when he comes back? What do you, what kind of workload do you expect from him when we see him again this season? You know, they're being pretty cautious with Noah. I think right now they're, they're aiming for mid June. Uh, you always wonder, well, you know, innings limits, all that type of stuff coming off Tommy John. You don't know what they're going to look like. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. I know with Zach Wheeler, that was certainly the case with Taiwan Walker. That was the case. And now that he's a couple years removed, he seems to be at the, the top level of, of what he can be as a starting pitcher. So I'm not so sure what they're going to get out of Noah. I'm actually more looking forward to seeing Carlos Carrasco pitch. Hmm. He's dealing with that hamstring injury. They actually just today put him on the 60-day IL, so he's not going to be back until May 31st. Mm. I, I guess he just couldn't feel this position just yet, even though I think he was throwing like six innings of sim games. But once that rotation is fully realized, it's it's dynamic. I mean, Taiwan Walker essentially becomes your fifth starter, and he's been outstanding this year. You know, Stroman's been great. Jacob DeGrom's been great. I think they have the ceiling of being the best rotation in baseball because they're close to it without those two guys well going tomorrow we got a great matchup I don't know how great for you because I know as a D-backs fan we got Zach Gallon on the hill whenever he's pitching the D-backs have a great chance of winning but with David Peterson on the mound I mean I don't know too much about the guy's stats are 481 ERA got 29 strikeouts on the season apparently he's coming off a pretty strong start so what can you tell me about David Peterson and what should I expect from him as a D-backs fan you know, in his first start this year, he gave up six runs, so that kind of inflated the ERA. He's been really good as of late. He's a guy in the past, or at least in his rookie year in 2020, where he was really good at pitching himself out of jams, but he also pitched himself into jams, a guy who can walk some batters. He's a left-handed pitcher that really – one of the words that manager Luis Ross always says about him is he just says poise. He doesn't come off as a starting pitcher who's still maybe 15 starts into his big league career. He really has that ability to, you know, pitch a bad inning and come back and, and kind of erase it from his memory. So, you know, David Peterson's a guy that might not go deep into games. He might only give you five innings, but he can really throw a gem. So uh, he's, he's definitely uh, of the, the starting pitchers that you would face. That's the guy you'd probably want to, as opposed to Stroman, Walker, or DeGrom but he can win you a game. So I think that's going to be a good matchup. Yeah. And Zach Allen on the mound, he's a stud pitcher. Uh, what, what are your odds? What do you put in the chances of the Mets bats coming alive? Because I'm putting your chances right now, less than 5% for the Mets bats to come alive tomorrow, because I think Zach Allen is going to go out there and have one of the best starts of the season. Honestly. Ryan asked me which D backs players should Mets fans be scared of the most. But first I want to talk to you guys about built bar, because did you know Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. And if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out because they got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. Want to know what my favorite flavor is? 
cookies, and cream. It's delicious, and it's like you're eating an Oreo. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. The reason why I love them because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. And guess what? They're a great gift for Mother's Day. Moms love Bilt Bars. Just send them a box of Bilt Bars. And if you want a special offer, if you want a discount, just go to BiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. And go surprise your mom with a box of Bilt Bars. Let's wrap up the pod. You know, it's funny because I think the last crossover I did was with uh, Gabrielle Starr, locked on Red Sox. And I, I said the Mets are kind of reversed with that, where she was saying, you know, Garrett Richards on the mound tomorrow. You guys are lucky. I'm like, hold on. A bad starting pitcher against the Mets. That usually means the bad starting pitcher is going to have his best game of the season. So I don't look at a great starting pitcher and say the Mets can't hit them. It, it's a weird thing I do where if it's a bad starting pitcher, I get worried. So I give the Mets a pretty decent shot. Uh, you know, they're kind of due to break out at some point. So maybe it is against Gallon, but I would assume that's the pitcher that you're going to fear most in this series for sure. Oh, yeah. And hey, Madison Bumgarner, you're lucky. He pitched today. This dude has actually been on fire recently. He went like six innings, allowed one earned run today. He's coming off four straight like quality starts for the D-backs. It's been phenomenal, honestly. Can I, so, I, need, I need to ask you about the no-hitter. I mean, nobody saw that coming. I was messaging Dylan about it uh, from Locked On Braves. I'm like, how did Mad Bum throw a no-hitter in 2021? Nobody saw it coming, but I guess he's finding his stuff again. Yeah, I honestly don't know how he did it because Mad Bum is all smoke and mirrors. We all know Mad Bum doesn't have any velocity anymore. He's he's topping out at 90 nowadays. And really for him, the D-backs, what they've done recently, they said, stop worrying about the scouting report. Stop worrying about advanced analytics. We don't want anything in your head. We just want you to go out there, pitch, and just go with feel. And that's pretty much what he's been doing recently. And now he's on a streak of four straight uh, consecutive starts where he's looked pretty good. So I think he was just overthinking too much because, I mean – he gets that fat contract. He's the only one on the D-backs making double-digit salary because the D-backs are pretty cheap and they don't hand out fat contracts. And this is a dude who's making, I think, like 18 this year and then 23 over the next two years. So he's got a lot of weight on his shoulder to, to carry this rotation. And he was expected to be the ace. We signed him from a division rival. And it didn't work out in 2020, so he definitely wanted to have a big resurgent season 2021. And the season started off just like a continuation of 2020 where he looked awful, but now he's turned it around ever since that pseudo no hitter, which look, I'm going to be honest. I don't really count as a no hitter because we've seen countless potential no hitters be, you know, literally wiped away with two outs left in the ninth inning, you know, two strikes, two outs. I mean, remember that Galarraga, uh, almost perfect game, the final out, like the dude was safe. Uh, the dude was out at first, but they called him safe. Like things like that can happen. It's so easy to lose a no hitter late in the game. So I don't technically consider it a no hitter. And if you do want to consider a no hitter in the record books, I think you should just put an asterisk or something saying it was a double header, but Hey, I don't know how mad bum is doing it, but he looks good. He looks confident. And right now he's just doing it by mixing his, 
pitches because he's still got a nice little arsenal. Age is not throwing gas anymore. So he's really had to become a, a real location and finesse pitcher. So it looks like we're wrapping up the pod here. And I just kind of want to ask you one more uh, question, Ryan. Uh, right now, I just want to know, how do you like the direction just of the Mets franchise right now? They made some big offseason splashes. They got new ownership. So what? how do you like the direction of the Mets in? Uh, how do you like the direction the Mets are going in? And also, if you were the GM of the Mets, what would you do, if anything, to change the direction or help improve it? Well, I think that one thing that I can't, one thing that I have to say about what this this organization did this offseason is they did a great job bringing in a lot of depth. And we're seeing that play out. I mean, Jonathan VR, I didn't love the signing, but he's still a major league caliber starting player. And when you have guys go down, it's nice to have guys like him and Kevin Pillar that can step in. We've seen them with their pitching depth. They added a lot of arms that they can go to the bullpen right now looks great. So I think they did a pretty good job this offseason. I don't know if they made every move that I would have, but I'm pretty happy with it. The one thing that I was clamoring for this offseason was I was really hoping they could find some way to pry Chris Bryant from the Cubs while he was still a little bit of a depressed asset. And now I think the way Chris Bryant's playing, he's going to be that guy at the trade deadline that's going to get a pretty big package. But if the Mets could find a way to get Chris Bryant and replace J.D. Davis at third base, uh, that would take this team over the top. So that is like the pie in the sky thing I am hoping the Mets do. But other than that, I think that they're a team right now that has all the makings to turn it around and really potentially run away with this division Mm. if they can figure it out. I mean, it just seems like they have so much talent and no one is playing up to what you would expect, yet they're still – right in the thick of things. So I think if they can figure it out soon, watch out for the Mets. Yeah, and the D-backs and Mets play each other again at the end of the month. Before we get to that series, I want to get you on the record right now before we wrap up the pod. Do you think the Mets are making the playoffs in 2021? I do, I do. And actually, I have a question for you. <laughs> okay. For, for my Mets fans, going into this weekend, who do you fear in that D-backs lineup? I know that the last time we talked, you did hype up Carson Kelly. I just want to give you some props on that because it seems like he's having a great start to the year. But who in that lineup do you fear if you're a Mets fan? Oh, you just said it, honestly. Right now it has to be Carson Kelly because he, he's literally been the best D-backs player since Ketel Marte went down. And I've made the case on here. As it currently stands, you know, we're like 25 games into the season. He should be an MVP candidate. The dude right now has a 1142 OPS, a 333 average. He's got six home runs, which is one off the team lead. And he's by far been the best and most productive player and most consistent player for the D-backs this season. He's been pretty good behind the plate as well. He's not an elite defensive catcher, but I think he's made real strides in that area. So offensively, there's no one I trust more on this D-backs team than Carson Kelly. He is the walking king right now, 476 OBP, more walks than strikeouts. So if I had to choose, it's definitely Carson Kelly because right now when I look back at that Paul Goldschmidt trade, we got Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly back in that deal. Luke Weaver, not feeling too good about him and where he's standing right now with the D-backs, but Carson Kelly, he's salvaging that deal, and right now he's definitely the centerpiece of that deal. So I, I like the way he looks, and he's definitely the uh, the best player 
that you should be uh, afraid of in this lineup because no Ketel Marte, Christian Walker has been struggling. Eduardo Espar has been uh, heating up. He, he still doesn't have a super high average, but the power's been there for him this season because he already has more home runs than he had all of last year in 2020. Even though it's a small sample size, uh, I mean, he already has seven home runs this year and he had like two last year. So the dude has been picking it up uh, a lot this season. But Ryan... Thank you for hopping on. I know it's late out there in Florida. I know you're getting off work. So I appreciate you hopping on today's pod, my man. Yeah, no problem. That's fun. And where can the D-backs listeners go find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can follow Locked On Mets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ryan. Thank you. And we'll catch you again. Maybe we'll do this again at the end of the month when the D-backs play the Mets once again. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Paskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Don't forget to join my locker room this Sunday after the D-backs beat the Mets. Deuces!